0: Welcome to episode 147 of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. This is Jeremy Bument, your host, welcoming you to a classic episode where I'm going to replay a classic interview from way back in the early days of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. So in this episode, you'll be treated to a bit of news, because there's actually been quite a bit of news in this uh, past week for uh, Doctor Who comics, uh, at least in my opinion. And then we will have an interview that dates back to 2015, with uh, artist Richard Piers Rainer. For those of you who go, that name sounds kind of familiar. He was the person who drew the Road to Perdition graphic novel that was turned into a blockbuster movie starring Tom Hanks and uh, done by Steven Spielberg. Uh, the script was by Max Allen Collins, and I think that's probably what uh, Richard is best known for. But Richard also did some classic uh, Seventh Doctor comic strips with Andrew Cartmell. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, just as Doctor Who was going off the air uh, back in the classic days. Uh, This interview with Richard was a wonderful interview, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. For those of you who might not have heard it, it dates back to episode number 44 of Doctor Who Panel Panel, so that's over 100 episodes ago. So I think you'll enjoy that, I think you'll like this classic interview, and uh, let's just jump into this and let's cover the news. Doctor Who comedy news for this episode of Doctor Who panel to panel. Uh, This past week on Thursday, Doctor Who magazine number 584 came out over in the UK as well as digitally. And this was a really special issue because the last issue, issue number 583, promised big changes in way of Doctor Who magazine and there were quite a few big changes. Uh, This is the first new Doctor Who magazine that has come out since the end of the Chris Chibnall era and um, right away just looking at the cover you could tell this was something new and different they went back to uh, kind of an updated version of the classic diamond logo which i was really really happy and uh, almost i was nostalgic for it just because i've been going through all my old Doctor Who magazines and getting parting ways with some of them uh selling them off on ebay and seeing the old diamond logo on some of my old classic Doctor Who magazines, it was nice to see that diamond logo once again on the cover. Uh, not only that, but once you get into the contents of the, of the magazine, one of my fears with uh, this new version of the magazine was that they were going to get rid of the comic strip. Uh, as everybody knows, I think the comic strip is the most expensive part of Doctor Who magazine, and it's something that has been on hiatus off and on uh, during covid Uh, It's been back recently, uh, but I was afraid that with this new change, maybe they would be doing away with it. And that is absolutely, totally not the case. Uh, There was an article in the magazine uh, talking to Russell T. Davies about how important the comic strip is to Doctor Who. I think we kind of all know that based on the spoilers that we have uh, read and seen for one of the specials that will be out next year. But not only that, but this is uh, an excellent opportunity for people who are interested in finding out anything for the 14th Doctor for the Doctor Who magazine comic strip to come into play. And that's exactly what it's doing. For the first time in its 43-year history, the comic strip is going to be in continuity with the TV show. Um, The 14th Doctor, David Tennant, regenerated... Uh, at the end of the, the special, the power of the Doctor, and this is the the comic strip is the first adventure featuring the Fourteenth Doctor. Bristol uh, T Davies has said this is in canon, this is in continuity, and not only that, but they brought back writer Alan Barnes, who has done some extraordinary stories in the comic strip over uh, the past. 10 years, 20 years, I don't remember his first story, but he's been doing Doctor Who Stories for quite some time. And uh, having Lee Sullivan come back to draw this first uh, part of the story is kind of, to me, it warmed my heart to, to see that they are going back to some of the classic writers, at least a classic writer and a classic artist to do the comic strip. I'm excited to see where the comic strip goes. Uh, next episode of Panel to Panel, we will do a review of the of the strip, but because I want people to have time to read it, since the magazine just came out. But uh, it's nice to see that the the Davies regime part two, the RTD two, is uh, going to take advantage of the the comic strip and use it to the best of its ability and give readers and Doctor Who fans something to. Uh, go go to once a month for the next year, basically, until we get the first specials to come out. So, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I was uh, wholeheartedly happy and joyful, and uh, for the first time in a long time, it was great to read a Doctor Who magazine where it filled me with a sense of hope, a uh, sense that we're under uh, a, new, a new power. Uh, Davies is back in charge of Doctor Who, and I could almost feel that reading the pages of Doctor Who Magazine. It felt like it was more open and more friendly and just, um, it gave me a sense of peace and joy, which is something I look forward to in Doctor Who Magazine every issue when I read it. So I think you will enjoy it as well. Uh, If you are over here in the United States and buy it physically, I. Suggest you might want to go get a digital copy of it to read because it's going to be some time before this issue makes the, the newsstands at your comic book store or like, say, Barnes & Noble. But uh, it's definitely worth uh, the cover price on this one. Make sure you don't pass it up. And uh, that is it for the news. On to a classic interview. Like I said in the introduction, Richard Pierce Rainer is a wonderful uh, comic illustrator, just an illustrator in general. And back in the late 80s, early 90s, he did some wonderful work with Andrew Cartmel on some uh, great comic strip stories featuring the 7th Doctor and Ace. And back in 2015, I was able to chat with him about his career, about working on Doctor Who and lots of other things. And for those of you who are new to Doctor Who panel to panel or fairly new who haven't listened uh, to this interview, I thought I would represent it to you. So here we go, a classic interview with Richard Piers Rainer. Today on Doctor Who Panel the Panel, I have the extreme pleasure of talking to Richard Piers Rainer. Richard, it's a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: It's a pleasure to be here, thank you very
0: much. Uh, I, most people that are Doctor Who or longtime Doctor Who comics fans will know your work from the, the Andrew Carpinal story, Evening's Empire. But uh, you had been doing comics quite some time before that. Uh, how did you get involved in doing comic books?
1: Well, <laughs> it was quite a circuitous route. I mean, I I, I was one of the strange ones. That, this was the time when DC and Marvel were looking at English creators. They, they would send editors over once a year to the uh, United Kingdom comic convention.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And, uh, and and you would present your stuff to them. And a lot of the English artists were coming through English comics. There was the 2000 AD and things like that. Uh, but I I hadn't worked for the English comics. I, I was brought up on American comics, uh, originally Dell and Gold Key. I used to because they used to do the old uh, Western, oh, okay, yeah, uh, comics, Lone Ranger, things like that. So uh-huh. I, I, I fell in love with American comics way back then, way back in the in the uh, sort of late fifties, early sixties. Sure. And I, I fell in love with DC Comics and graduated to Marvel Comics and had always wanted to work for them. So, so I, I hadn't really... I, I not only did I not have a background in English comics, I'd never really worked in English... I ne- well, i never worked in English comics.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so, uh, But being aware that DC would send these representatives over and there would be editorial people there who who would look at your stuff, there was still kind of a this is an opportunity for English creators that I'm talking about to the mid to late 80s here uh, uh, to make a sort of breakthrough that perhaps hadn't really happened before, I mean Barry Smith had done it earlier but but he'd gone to the States and got work, but for the States to come to us, that was like a new thing but I didn't have a portfolio as such so what I did was I spent a year producing my own homemade American-style comic book, uh, and, had it, and I self-published it,
2: uh-huh.
1: and I took it along to uh, uh, every uh, the last, let me try and remember, remember this correctly, the last Thursday of every month, there was a meeting in uh, London of the Society of Slip Illustrators. Oh, yeah? So I thought if I get some feedback on my little homemade comic, I'll take it along there. Uh-huh. The SSI it was called. It was it was founded by David Lloyd, and and people like that who who were uh, who had a a good pedigree in English
2: comics.
1: Okay. So I wanted I wanted some feedback. And was was what I was doing any good? Or was it you know was it, or was I was I just you know, fooling myself?
2: Uh-huh.
1: So I took this homemade thing along, and I remember it was a. I don't know London that well. I mean I've come from the north, and it's a. Pouring with rain, horrible day. Actually, the, the the clouds opened, and I couldn't find the place where the meeting was held. It was a place called the Sketch Club uh, in Chelsea, and I could not find it. I'd been down the alleyways. I'd, I'd seen the place where Oscar Wilde lived. I'd seen all of these things, all the historic sites. Uh-huh. But I could not find the Sketch Club. I thought, Do you know, I'm glad to go home. I have to get the train because i I, I've, I've, I I just can't carry on. You know, I can't I can't look any further. And I was sheltering in a doorway. I just happened to look around, and I saw this brass plaque that said, The Sketch Club. I thought, oh, goodness me, I'm sheltering in the doorway of the place I've been looking for. (laughs) So so I turned around, rang the doorbell, David Lloyd answered, and uh, (laughs) cutting to the chase, I had my self-produced comic. I took it in to show these people. And at this point, Neil Gaiman uh, was was there? Although Neil hadn't made his breakthrough as such, his published breakthrough with DC.
2: Okay, he, he
1: had contacts at DC. He, he, he knew Karen Berger, the editor at DC. And at that point, John Ridgway was leaving the Hellblazer comic, uh, and they were looking for another English creator. Mm-hmm. So everyone, everyone said how good this little homemade produced comic was and w- would I be interested in working for DC Comics? And this is extraordinary because this has been my lifetime's ambition at this point. Yeah. And all of a sudden people are saying, well, would you be interested? And I, 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 you know, it, it, was just, it was a real so sort of exciting moment. Oh, I to, bet. To, to, be, to be given that opportunity for something that I've dreamt, dreamt of since I was four years old. <laughs> you know, when I used to sit, I used to, I used to sit on on cross legged on the floor drawing my own comic books from, from the moment where I could first hold a pencil.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So all of a sudden, I'm in this. I'm, I'm in this place where people are saying, oh, I'll, "I'll give Karen the ring and she'll call you next week and see if you're interested." And it was, I tell you, it was the longest week. It was, it was more like two weeks before the phone <laughs> eventually rang. <laughs> And it and it was I was actually to be to notice I was actually, I, I was so every time the phone rang you'd, you you left you jumped a foot in the air uh-huh. and uh, and eventually it was Karen who phoned when I was actually on the toilet. Oh yeah. So I had to, I, I was trying to pull my trousers up and picking up the phone and Karen said, uh, "Hey Richard, we understand you like to work for DC Comics. I, I've seen your stuff. I think it's really cool. Uh, do you want the gig?" And and that was my breakthrough. That would be back in the mid to late. 80s, I think, and that was took a long answer to your question. That's how I got my initial breakthrough oh, no into American comics, and that that was Hellblazer.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And I went on to do Swamp Thing. Uh, I did Legion. Uh, I did uh, uh, mostly sort of horror-related, the the, the so-called formative reader stuff. Okay. Uh, 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 for uh, for DC and what became the Vertigo imprint. Mm. I uh, did some stuff for Marvel as well. I did. Uh, I think this was probably late. I did Captain America and things like that for Marvel. Uh, but but at some point in this period, in '89, I won Best Newcomer in San Diego. Oh wow! And I think it was. A, it must have been soon after that that uh, Marvel UK called and said, "Would I like to work on the Doctor Who comic?" And I, <laughs> as much as I loved American comics and 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 was I loved the cowboys and things like that. My other love, my other big love, apart from football, uh, was Doctor Who, mm-hmm. which I had watched from the very first episode and loved from the very first episode from when William Hartnell first scoundrel Ian Chesterton. I had been a huge fan oh, of yeah? Doctor Who. And this was another dream. But all of a sudden, another, another dream job was dropping in my lap. Uh-huh. And uh, this was at the point, as I recall, when Doctor Who was actually off the TV. It was that long hiatus between uh, McCoy uh, and the last BBC sure. series, and and the and the co-produced uh, Paul McGann uh, TV movie. Uh-huh. So, the, so Doctor Who at this point wasn't on TV, and and I saw this as like an opportunity to, uh, well, we were the only visual medium featuring Doctor Who, so it was a, it was a really, for me, uh, for my, my personal sort of ambition. It was a it was a great uh, a, a great job to be offered.
0: Uh-huh. And it was kind of. At that point in time, there wasn't any new Doctor Who coming out apart from the, the comic strip in Doctor Who magazine and uh, just the beginnings of like novels and stuff. so was it, was it encouraging right. Was it encouraging for you to, to see yourself as the, the illustrator of brand new Doctor Who? Like the, this is the, the continuing adventures of Doctor Who?
1: Absolutely it was. I mean, I mean that, that was one of the big things about doing it. And it was, and the fact that Andrew was writing it, who was who would be the script editor on on the final uh, series of the show, it, it did feel like we were doing a continuation. But I, I, I was I was very keen, very determined to try and keep the look of the TV show, mm-hmm. so that so if, you, if as you read the comic, it was like watching an episode on the BBC. Well, I mean, a lot of people when the when they did when they illustrated the Doctor. To see it as an opportunity, or saw it as an opportunity, to do like a big budget Doctor Who, and a, a fantastic, you know, uh, effects and fantastic backgrounds or fantastic locations. Uh-huh. I I wanted it to look like you were watching an episode, so you know, keeping the panel structure very sort of as, as, as unpretentious, if you like, as possible. So it felt like I hoped you were watching an episode on the TV.
0: Well, I know that's that's how I felt uh, for those people who haven't seen your work. Uh, if they can track down a copy of Doctor Who Classic Comics, uh, it's the autumn holiday special from back in 1993. That has the complete story of Evening's Empire by you and Andrew Cartmell. And yeah. uh, I just reread it last night for the first time in quite some time. And uh, I, you definitely capture that feel of it feels like a, a Seventh Doctor uh, classic TV story.
1: Yeah, when I yeah, when I look at it now, it's funny. I, I looked at it for the first time just a, a month or so ago. The, the original artwork that I've still got,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and some of it is, is amongst the best work I've done. It, I, I did that just before I started on *Road to Perdition*, which was like the, the the big thing that I'll be working on for the next four years after *Doctor Who*. And I think in *Doctor Who*, I was still really looking for a. I was looking for a style. And it being Doctor Who, as uh, I say, and, and the determination for it not to look too outrageous, for it to look like Doctor Who, and, and, and as we've just said, like an episode of the TV program. I look at it now, and I can see the evolution of, of the work processes that I was employing that would lead me into perdition and, and lead me to where I am now, which is where I now work in a completely different style. I sort of moved away from pens. I, just, I tend to just use brushes now. Uh-huh. Uh, but it, but it was interesting to look back at Evening's Empire. It's still a work I'm very proud of, and as I, I think it does contain some, some of my best ever work. But it has weaknesses. It, it, it has definite flaws that uh, I, 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 I wish I time and opportunity. If I could do a, a, a new, a, an enhanced, better director's cut version, it would, that would be a great thing. <laughs> I, think that, that I iron out some of the, the, the weaknesses which I can see in, in the finished
0: piece. Uh-huh. Uh, um, for, for those people who are kind of unfamiliar with the, the history of the story, uh, it started out in I believe, uh, doctor who magazine issue number one eighty, And, uh, yeah. the first part got published and then it just kind of disappeared after that. And, uh, if you, if you read the John Freeman's little essay at the back of the, the autumn special, he, uh, says that the, it got delayed for, uh, a combination of reasons too lengthy to go into here. Uh, yeah. Would you care to elaborate as to what happened to cause the delay in in Evening's Empire?
1: I, I mean, I, I, there were, I, you know, all I'm going to say because it was a, it was a long time ago. It, there, there were certain personal issues going on that that caused delays. I but but, but the, the great thing, and, and it' it's, it's it's huge enormous thanks to John Friedman and Gary Russell. That they stuck with, with the actual thing and said, "We'll do it as a graphic novel. We'll do it as a one-off. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll rather than just canning it, uh, we'll, we will we will find a home for it." And 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 it, it, it essentially, it was a Doctor Who graphic novel before there was such a thing as a Doctor Who graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it, 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 the actual printed version is coloured. Now, there's, there's a possibility at the moment of a new version coming out next year which would be printed in its, in its original black and white if that happens it would be it would, as I say, it would be a, a i think a, a, it would show it as it was meant to be seen uh-huh. an original comic in the doctor who monthly it was printed in black and white but when it was printed as the collected edition it was printed in color and it was meant to be seen in black and white and if we can get the opportunity the, the, the chance next year to, to reprint it in, in black and white then I I would be very happy to see
0: that. Oh, yeah, I, I would too, most definitely. There's, to me, there's something to, to be said about black and white artwork over color. I think, especially with, like, your style of artwork that has a lot of of line to it um, and a lot of detail to it, I think the color kind of detracts from that.
1: It does, unfortunately. It, it I, I I mean, if you're drawing for a piece that you know is going to be colored, you draw it a different way anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was drawing for 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 black and white. I was doing very detailed work, and, and even though I've moved on from the pens, I, as I say, just using brushes now, there is still a lot of detail in what I do. And and although do I, I do full colour work, I do it the old-fashioned way. I do it at the drawing board with a with a with brush and paint and this sort of thing. Uh, I, the, the detail is a thing which which is part of my work. It's something I think which gives it body, and it it is lost if it's submerged beneath a lot of. Uh, Color.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know for for me, one of the things that really stands out about your artwork is just the the realism that that you bring to the artwork. Do you use a lot of photo reference in your work?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, it, it, it's it, it's reference pulled from everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, in Evening's Empire, especially there there are scenes in Alex Evening's shed his little outhouse, uh-huh. and if if you look, I've got little homages there to to very early uh, comic strips. You, you'll see uh, uh, he's reading at one point a, a very old English strip. And I've said before about living the American works, but this just lent itself uh, to the sort of uh, thing that Alex Evning would have in his in his outhouse. Uh-huh. Uh, he's reading an episode of the Trigon Empire.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Which is uh, an old English science fiction comic, uh-huh. I and mean, it—it it, and it's if you, It might be lost in the coloring, you know. You can see it in the black and white, uh, and, and in act it was such the detail is so obsessive. With a magnifying glass, you can probably read the strip <laughs> because, because you know I really went to town in, in the uh-huh. background and, and all all the stuff lying around. Uh, you, you will see little things that are. Uh, I, I can't. I can't remember exactly everything that's there. But I I, was, I showed the work to somebody once, and they said, God, the detail in here. You could even see the angle of the ring pull on the Coke can. So there's a lot of stuff in there that probably doesn't need to be there from a pure storytelling sense. But I think it adds atmosphere. I think it adds realism to, to, to the finished work.
0: No, most definitely. And I, I know when I was rereading it last night, uh, Glancing through stuff, the, the detail on uh, lots of different panels just totally boggled my mind. Uh, and, and your line work, your line work is just so amazing all throughout this story.
1: Thank you. Well, it, it, it boggled my eyes doing it. I remember that. <laughs> uh, as, I, as, I, as I said, moving on to position, I was trying to find a way of doing things more quickly because was pretty much learning as I went at, the, at that point. Uh-huh. Actually, I hadn't found sort of finished... I don't think you ever do find a, 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 a style that you settle with and are comfortable with. You you, you, you you constantly evolve. And I was trying to find different ways of doing it. And it, it led through, through road to addition through to the work I'm doing now, which is, as I, as I keep saying, it, it's entirely, pretty much 90% brushwork
2: uh-huh. nowadays.
1: But it's all an evolution. lot of Evening, evening's Empire before Road to Perdition was such an important step along the way, and and it, I still see, as I say, I still look at it and think, you know, I'm I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that.
0: Yeah, well, you have every right to be. Um, I'm just flipping through it even now as we're as we're talking, and uh, the the other thing I really like about your artwork, uh, particularly with the story, is it definitely continues the feel of where the the TV series was going. Uh, yeah. You know, with, with the, kind of the cat, the Cartmel Master Plan, uh, making the Doctor more mysterious and getting it toning it down to be more dark and, and grim and gritty, kind of, and uh, the way you tell the story and the the visuals that you use all throughout this just makes it it definitely continues on from from what uh, they were establishing in the TV series.
1: Uh, that's good to hear. I mean, that was that was definitely the intention to keep it, as, as we said earlier. To keep it having the look of uh, an episode on the TV, but it was it was it was it is a dark story. It, it's it's unsettling, and Andrew was certainly tackling certain issues in the story that possibly at that time you couldn't have done on the TV. I mean, it, there, there, there are certain implications of, of what happens to Ace in the story that that uh, it's quite an adult theme, and mm-hmm. what happens to her, and, and the doctors kind of. Uh, it, it, it's a thing that we have very much now the doctor's love for his companion but his fellow traveller and we're and uh, we try, trying to get across the, that concern that, that he had for what had happened to Ace and what did what, uh, what she went through I, I tried early in the piece we see him picking some rubbish out of the river with his umbrella and it's a, uh, it's a beer can uh-huh. it's, it's a three panel progression the, 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 the umbrella uh, goes into the water, brings brings out some rubbish, garbage, as, as uh, I, I think uh, you'd say. Yeah. Now, I, I I tried to, I wanted to come back to that at the very end of the story. When instead of the rubbish being taken out of the river, Ace has a flower, it's a rose, I think, and and she, and she sort of crumbles it and the petals float away. And it's another three-panel progression, uh-huh. the last page in the book. Yep. It's another three-panel progression where the, the petals sort of float away, and it's it was a, a, a symbolic thing. It, it was Ace's innocence that was being thrown away.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it, I think that was the that was. That was a that was a theme of the story. That was something that, that, that Andrew would introduce, which at that time he could never have done on the TV. Oh yeah, most definitely. But, but Ace goes through some pretty heavy stuff in in the story, and I wanted that symbolism at the end, rather than the, the rubbish being taken out of out of the river, but sort of broken dreams being thrown back into it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, after I reread it last night, I kind of went through and skim read it for a second time, just because I I had this feeling of what had happened to ace but i wanted to make sure i was was accurate as to what i had read um yeah it's one more that you don't come right out and say what happens to her but at the same time you there's enough of uh through the 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 it's words awesome. on the artwork yeah you can you can you can uh gather what happens to ace and along those same lines what happens to corporal ives and what the the doctor says um to me, yeah. kind of, kind of, it, it took a step into the uh, a kind of a dark place with the doctor there.
1: I, I this another tragic part of the story, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it sure is. I mean, what, what happens to her, what happens to her, and the actual? Uh, in case people are going to actually pick the book up at some point and see it, and I won't reveal what the monster is, but I mean that was as extreme as, we, as you could really get with Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. The, the actual, what, what. The, the, in, in, in Alex Evening's diseased mind, what he had created of a monster was, was, was extraordinary, really. And again, that could never have been done on the TV. But I, but I remember laboring over that thing to get it right, and, and, and the, the, what happens to, to Ives, that, that whole scene was was it's a very dark little piece of the story.
0: Oh, yeah, most definitely. And I, it's just, Rereading again last night reminded me of, of how great this story was both uh, I, I think this is probably one of Andrew Cartmel's best stories, just of all the stuff that he's done, whether it be the you know, TV stuff or the the audios that Big Phoenicians put out or, yeah. or his comic stories, I think this is yeah. uh, it it has that seventh doctor feel that they were going towards at the end of the series and it just continues right on from there and takes it a step even darker.
1: I wish we could have done more. I really do. Uh, we, we did talk about it. Uh, 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 I, I think by, by by the time any opportunity would have come, uh, I think I was probably involved in Road Expedition by then. Mm-hmm. I, Andrew had probably moved on. So I don't recall him doing a lot more for the comic strip. I might be wrong. I can't honestly remember. Uh, but at, at some point... They would. The talk would have started about the Paul McGann TV movie, and I think things kind of moved on.
2: Uh-huh.
1: But we had, we did, we did. I'll give you an exclusive of, of sorts. We did talk at one point of doing another one, and we were going to do a master story. Oh, really? And Andrew had said we were talking. We were talking with John Freeman, and I think probably Gary Russell, because Gary, it's it's, it's he really. It was one of the reasons the whole thing got, got produced, ultimately, because I think John Freeman moved on. Uh-huh. But at one point, Andrew, John, and I were talking about doing another one, and we wanted to do a master story. And, uh, but but uh, Andrew said, the problem with that is that Anthony Ailey is so awkward, he won't allow his likeness to be used. Oh, yeah. And John Freeman said, well, there's no problem with Roger Delgado. <laughs> and that was we were going to do the Roger Delgado Master meets the Seventh Doctor, and I think that would have been a lot of fun to do. Unfortunately, we we it never happened, but but we we did talk about it at one point.
0: Oh, that would have been would have been a treat to see.
1: I I think it would have been. Yeah, I'm not sure the Master's ever been used in the, in the. I mean, I might be wrong. I but just talking off the top of my head, I don't think the Master's been used in the in the in the comic strip.
0: Um, I think he's. um my memory is horrible, but I I know. Uh, I'm not sure if he showed up in Doctor Who magazine or not, but I know some of the the other comic companies have have had him show up.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, that's entirely of course. Yeah, in,
0: yeah. in those comics. Yeah,
1: I, I, I did do some Matt Smith Doctor Who IDW uh, as
0: well. Oh yeah, I I, I saw uh, you did some covers, didn't you? No, I
1: I did an. Did... Uh, I I did an interior. It was oh, the was really? First part of the of the Jack the Ripper story.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Uh, d-
1: but uh, once again, you see, I, I I wish that one could have been done in black and white as well. You know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. If, 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 if actually, I've posted quite a few the pages from it in black and white on uh, online, so you you should be able to find those. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so how did that story come about? Did IDW just reach out to you and and ask if yeah. you'd be interested?
1: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That, that's. Uh, I think I got. A, I must have. I, I probably let it be known I was available because again I wanted. I always loved doing Doctor Who, and I wanted to do more Doctor Who.
2: Uh-huh. Still
1: want to do more Doctor Who. I will always do Doctor Who. If I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I probably let it be known that I was available, and they said, "Well, we've got this Jack the Ripper story coming up."
2: Oh, I'm gonna so go that, back and that, reread that. That.
1: Was, that was fun to do, and a brief, but only I only did the first part uh, uh, once. Sometimes I, I, I've as ha- as I've happened the first time, I would have to real life sometimes gets in the way and, and things happen. But
0: oh yeah, that's that's always I, I, the case. You
1: know, I I I love doing it. As I say, I will always say yes.
0: Well, I know but uh, for for those people that that don't uh, follow you on Facebook, I suggest they look you up on Facebook because I know you've been. Uh, uh, do, yeah. Been showing a lot of like your Matt Smith drawings, but actually for me, although I'm I'm over here in the states and I, I don't get to watch as much uh, soccer or football as, as as I would like to, um, I really enjoy reading and uh, following your your football strips.
1: Good, I oh, thank you. I'm glad I'm glad to hear that because that is another that 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 was another of my childhood loves, Middlesbrough Football Club, and now and now I'm in my fifteenth year as artist in residence, so the only the only one of my childhood loves I've never got the chance to work on is the Lone Ranger and that's another one I would never say no to.
2: Oh
0: really? Uh, yes,
1: thank you. I mean, the football work is another pleasure to do. Yeah, it's, it's hard work. I,
0: I, yeah. I, you're, the the artwork that you create for that is just amazing, and the coloring that you use as well. Um, I, I think it just it just looks incredible. I, I, I like I said, I, I don't follow football all that much, but but I enjoy um, reading your your strips and i just admiring your artwork.
1: Thank you very much. It's it's as I say, it's been the old-fashioned way: sat at the drawing board, with brush in hand, and paint laughing everywhere.
0: Uh, and uh, uh, I, I, w- I would love to see you do some more, Doctor Who. Um, actually, be- before I let you go, I, like I said, I'm from the States. I'm actually from Iowa, which is the home to Max Allen Collins, who wrote The Road to yeah. Perdition. Uh, uh-huh. how, did, how did you get involved in doing Road to Perdition?
1: It, uh, well, as I say, in those days, editors would come over once a year to England from America. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd made my breakthrough in the 80s. And we had a great time. We we uh, we got the two of the Batman movie set when they were making the original Michael Keaton. Oh, wow. Uh, Tim Burton's Batman movie. We, we got a two of the movie set with we, the editorial people from D.C. And you get to know people. This was the great thing at that point when, when with them coming over. Uh, we, you got to know them. And every year, uh, certain editors would come back and friendships were formed. And uh, Andy Helfer, who was... Uh, the editor that, that Max was working with
2: uh-huh.
1: uh, and 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 Max allen Collins had done a proposal for wrote which which was not entirely complete it was it was different to the, the eventual book we produced, but he did done a proposal and Andy He had come over to England. and and he, he we met up uh we uh, went for a drink in in at a pub in york he he came and and we we met and had a day together and he said. Did I would I be interested in working on this graphic novel? Because the thing he said about it is, it would there wouldn't be deadline pressure. It it it, it was uh, intended to come out originally as three books and then as one book, mm. uh, but there was there was no actual published date until the work was finished. Okay. So I could do it in 25 page segments. Would I be interested? And he showed me uh, Max's proposal, which was the, the very early days of Road to Edition,
2: huh?
1: and I thought this is this is about three years guaranteed work because we were talking about 300 or so pages yeah. this is three years work we're not. I mean the first thing I should say I love the story I, I, I mean yeah, I, I wouldn't be so cynical as to say oh well, well that keeps me off the streets for three years <laughs> no I love I love the story uh, but it was also guaranteed employment for that length of time which was a, a, a real bonus and a real rare thing you know, yeah. in my sort of career uh huh uh, so I, I, I said, I'll, I said, Andy, I would absolutely love to do it, and I think I signed a contract yeah, on a table in in a bar in in York, huh? uh, in, uh, in the old medieval city, to do this story set in 1920 Chicago, and it all that, that, and uh, that, uh, yes, it was three years' work. Yeah, I... 25. the paid they paid me. I got a I got an advance for it, and they paid me every 25 pages. And uh, that that was a, it. Was an exciting time that it led to. It was an exciting time doing it, and it led to exciting times as well.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely a story that that I think holds up extremely well, uh, reading after reading.
1: Yeah, and 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 it it, it was turned into a great movie. I, I was I was that was another thing I was proud of when uh, we we got to see the movie. Uh-huh. I thought, well, I, I I can see, I can see. Pieces in here, places in this in this motion picture, where my drawings have come to life, yeah. and that that was that was a, a, a very exciting time. Oh. And, and, and and I met Max for the first time. <laughs> I met him for the first the first time when the book was finished, and we it was the week of the London premiere of, of the of the motion picture. Oh, yeah. I met Max for the for the first time. <laughs>
0: Uh, after, I'm, I'm sure it was interesting to, to meet the, the, the writer after all that time of working on his, taking his uh, script and, and putting the artwork Well, we to felt
1: it. like, it's funny, we felt like we knew each other because I, I would work, even with never having had a conversation, nevertheless, we were working towards each other's strengths, certainly as the story developed. Uh-huh. He, he was writing for me, and I was trying to bring out the best in the writing. And we were sort of challenging each other. I felt at times to come up with better, better visuals and strengthen the story. And, and it, it, it just it it was a roller coaster. It, it seemed to get stronger and stronger as it went on. Yeah,
0: well, i I for one, I'm a big fan of, of Road to Perdition, both the the book and the movie. And uh, I I think your your artwork in both that and uh, Doctor Who, as well as your your earlier stuff and the the stuff you're doing now with the 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 football strips uh your artwork is just amazing you're one of my favorite artists to to look at and just admire your artwork and uh i i hope that the that panini will come out with a a reprint of evenings empire so those people that haven't uh had a chance to read it get get a chance to see the original black and white artwork and just marvel at, at how talented you are sir
1: that's, thank you very much. That's very kind. I, I, I especially appreciate you noticing the football work.
0: Uh, it's it's hard not to because that's one of the things actually on my Facebook feed. I look forward to seeing is whenever something new comes out from you. I I, <laughs> I enjoy reading the stories and 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 seeing your artwork with it.
1: Well, I I, I hope you continue to feel the same way and uh, and and keep keep watching because there might be something that you will like coming soon. Like especially coming soon.
0: Oh, awesome. Uh, well, Richard, thank you for being on Doctor Who Panel the Panel and uh, continue success in all your future
1: endeavors. Well, thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed that classic interview with Richard Piers Rayner. I know I enjoyed listening to it again because I haven't listened to it since I presented it back in 2015. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it. In a couple weeks, we'll have a new episode of Dr. Who Pan, panel. We will be featuring a review of the new comic strip that was in the new issue of Dr. Who Magazine that just came out, as well as a new interview with somebody who is, um, I guess I'll say, not new to the world of Dr. Who comic illustration, but he is uh, has taken on a new project that just came out. In fact, it was featured in the new Doctor Who magazine, and uh, I look forward to chatting with him again. Uh, we chatted way back in the day, and it'll be nice to catch up with an old friend and uh, somebody whose artwork, I, I think, has grown exponentially over the years, and I think you'll look forward to hearing about him and his project. So, until next time, this is Jeremy B. Mint saying bye for now. Doctor Who Panel the Panel, the podcast about Doctor Who comics, thanks you for downloading this episode. Let us know what you thought about this episode or of Doctor Who comics in general. You can find us socially on Facebook at Doctor Who Panel the Panel, on Twitter at Doctor Who P2P, 2 being the number 2, and online at Doctor WhoComics.com. Download previous episodes via your favorite podcast service and find the complete catalog of episodes featuring amazing interviews with creators past and present at archive.org. Just search for Dr. Who panel to panel. Thank you.